in the morning when you need the news that matters most. They can kiss my f***ing ass right downtown and print it. You need the front page. All these mother editorials. On the press box. They're really, really behind you around here. My f***ing ass. With Graney and Bischoff. Rip them mother Rip them touching suckers like the f***ing players. Yeah. Ed Graney's out today, so Gooch is in. You hear him on comp probably every day. I assume you're on every day. Every day. Okay. Six days a week, buddy. That doesn't make any sense. There's seven days in a week. Are you, like, saying there's a lot of cross-listening, like they listen to us in the morning, and then they, like, go, all right, now it's rock in the afternoon. We're the home of the Raiders. Bubble butts in the morning, genitals in the afternoon. (laughs) With Gooch. <laughs> All right, found my new drop. I put this in the front page just for you, though. Florida State quarterback Chubba Purdy, great name, great Purdy, name, is transferring to Nebraska. The reason it's in the front page for you is because you and I talked earlier this year on a show we did on the weekends called Throw the Flag right here on ESPN Radio uh, about Nebraska picking up a different transfer named the coldest Juan greatest name ever so now nebraska has the coldest one and chubba purdy something nebraska's probably gonna have the best named team in college football next year again i brought this up earlier if you're gonna name your child the coldest middle name juan they better be the coldest one because <laughs> if they're the coldest two it's the worst name ever you have to be the best at everything you do when your name is the coldest. The best. He's going to play wide receiver at Nebraska. Yeah. He, I mean, he was committed to LSU. He flipped from LSU to Nebraska. And from I what know. I understand, he was a high recruit. Is, I think he's a four-star recruit. Right. I think he's a good, good. recruit. And I think Chubba Chub Purdy's like a good recruit. Was a good recruit, too. So there's some chance we have some Chubba to the coldest one. And is Chubba the birth name? Is that the name that's on the birth certificate because the coldest is the name that is that on is, the birth certificate. Yes. Uh, so is Chubba a nickname? Uh, that I do not know. Um, I know his brother is Brock Purdy who played at uh, Iowa State this past oh, year. Oh, I thought his brother's name was going to be Fatty Purdy. No. <laughs> no, his brother was was Brock. Um, I I haven't seen anywhere where it's not he's not referred to as Chubba Purdy. But he might not be Chubba Purdy. I couldn't tell you for sure what his actual name is. But as far as we know, he's Chubba Purdy. And nothing else needs to change that. Could be Next Chubba. question. Chubba for me in my heart. Will the Dolphins stop going after Deshaun Watson now that they fired Brian Flores? I think it's going to ramp it up. Maybe Brian Flores is the reason he was like, I don't know if I want this guy. Well, maybe. The... the The reason this is a question is because Adam Schefter reported over the weekend that it was Brian Flores that wanted Deshaun Watson. And Adam Schefter said, uh, owner Steven Ross, he wasn't that into Deshaun Watson. They were just listening to their head coach. But Schefter reported in November that Steven Ross was interested in Deshaun Watson and that he had contingency plan. Like, you have to meet these contingencies for us to trade for Deshaun Watson. Like, Steven Ross was very clearly interested in Deshaun Watson. This wasn't just Brian Flores. So I would assume the Dolphins would still be interested in acquiring Deshaun Watson. But I am also interested in Deshaun Watson 
because apparently he likes Brian Flores a lot and was interested in playing for Brian Flores. So if Brian Flores is a head coach somewhere else, I wonder if that changes how much Deshaun Watson wants to go to Miami versus how much he wants to go to wherever Brian Flores were to get hired to, to coach. I mean, if I'm Deshaun Watson, I'm looking at, well, let's see here. A team is hiring a head coach. That means they're already bad. So you're going to go from another bad situation in Houston to another bad team, and you're pretty much going to hit the same ceiling. I would hope that Deshaun well, Watson, if I were Deshaun Watson, I would probably be looking for a team that could put me back on the map and make everybody forget about all this crap that I've done. Well, how many good teams are looking for a quarterback? I mean, there's a lot of teams out there that are right there on the brink that could use a, a quarterback. And honestly, I mean, Deshaun Watson, when he's healthy and when he's on his game, he's a top five guy. Yes, he's very good. He's very good. So, um, I mean, there's a lot of, there are good teams in the playoffs that could use a top five guy and they're stuck with like a top 15 guy. Like the Raiders? Well, I mean, I would say the Raiders, I don't want to blast Derek Carr, but I think Deshaun Watson's definitely a clear upgrade over oh. Deshaun, I mean, over Derek Carr. Yeah, of course he is. And I mean, don't you think that would probably would have helped it? Yes. Yeah. They would have been much better with a better I quarterback. Mean, right. <laughs> it also would work with the Raiders' track record of having first former first-round picks go to jail. Mm. He never went to jail. Yet. Yeah. I, In all seriousness, I bet they end up getting all of those cases settled out of court, and he's playing for an NFL oh, team. Oh, I am sure. And he's got one. any... Dude, when you got that kind of money, you're above the law. Every single time, almost every single time. I mean, it's got to be a clear cut something you getting caught on camera doing something awful in order for you to actually really face the music for your crimes. It is gross, funny, sad that we need video evidence for us to actually like, oh, that guy's a bad guy. Well, like if there's not video evidence, we all kind of can forget about it. I mean, it's crazy because I'm watching people because. I'm watching people stick up for Antonio Brown saying that he's part of some conspiracy. And I'm like, how do you stick up for a guy like that? How do you stick up for a guy like that? And just making up any kind of dumb excuses. Well, you know how the NFL is. Uh, what? <laughs> You're trying to tell me that this it doesn't matter what his job was. He could have been a, wa- a cashier at Walmart. If he quit that way, he's probably not going to get another job, period. Next question. All right. This is one of the best details we've ever had on a coach after getting fired. From the Star Tribune on Mike Zimmer and the Vikings. After a key loss in the final weeks of the season, Mike Zimmer's tone started to shift. Sources said the coach gave a Wednesday presentation about all the bad things that happened to him in his eight years with the Vikings, including Adrian Peterson's suspension in 2014 and Teddy Bridgewater's knee injury in 2016, leaving players dumbfounded. Can you imagine... Being on the Vikings, your season is basically like over, right? You're not technically eliminated, but your season is basically over. And your head coach calls a team meeting, pulls up PowerPoint, and just starts clicking through the slides of things that went poorly for him in 2014. Yeah. What Uh, the hell is Mike Zimmer doing? Yeah. Uh, Hey, guys, these are all the things that happened before you even got here. (laughs) But I'm going to blame you anyway. You were a junior in high school, but Adrian Peterson got suspended. And that really screwed me, guys. But I still made it another seven years. So do me a favor. Don't tear your ACL. Go team. No, no. That wasn't the ACL, if I recall correctly. That was him hitting his little boy in the testicles. No, Bridgewater had his ACL. Oh, okay. That was also on the slide. Yes. Oh, but yeah. I was just talking about injuries in general. (laughs) Okay. 
Well, it was just like, you know how hard it was for me that this guy beat his little kid with yeah. a switch? Hey, man, you can hurt your elbow that way. Like, what? what's your objective there? Like, if you're Mike Zimmer and you're showing your players, because here's the thing. I can understand if you're Mike Zimmer and you realize, uh-oh, I might get fired. I need to somehow get out there like all these things have gone wrong for me. Oh, I've 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 done everything I could, but we've just had so many suspensions and injuries that were out of my control. Like I could understand him going with that thought process, but why are you why are you showing your players? Adam Thielen is just like cool. Right. Like imagine being like Justin Jefferson and you're like, what? Yeah. Why do I care about Adrian Peterson's suspension in 2014? Why do I have pity for you over that? And especially after a key loss. He's like, guys, look, I know you feel bad, but I feel worse because of all this other crap that happened. (laughs) I mean, I will say there was a point where Mike Zimmer was coaching with one eye. Okay. And that that was probably probably pretty tough. Yeah, it was Mike's lack of depth perception is why they lost. I just, I don't get the thought process to show your players that like hey guys feel bad for me because but that's what it is bad stuff happened it's almost like guys next year i want you to remember how bad your coach feels look at this frowny face don't make this happen again (laughs) i i would like all at the end of the year all coaches have to put together a presentation of just all bad things that happened rich Versace would still be still be clicking (laughs) like and then (laughs) my friend got fired Man, you know, that's a great question. All right, speaking of slideshows, here's another fun one. Kyle Shanahan once presented a 32-page slideshow to convince the Cleveland Browns to let him out of his contract. He was an assistant with the Browns, and according to the story, he kind of had an idea, oh, these Browns, they suck, and it's going to be bad for my career if I stay here. So he had a contract, but he was like, I want to leave. He presented 32-page slideshow. Say, hey, Browns, you should release me from my contract. They did. He went to Atlanta, offensive coordinator, gets hired for the 49ers as their head coach. He had a PowerPoint presentation as to why he wanted to get the hell out of Cleveland. Wow. Yes. That is effort. I applaud him. (laughs) I applaud him. And it worked. The Browns are like, absolutely. They're like, argue with any of this. Wow, Kyle, you got a point. We do suck. (laughs) Get out there and get out there and lead a team to the Super Bowl, champ. Imagine being so bad as an organization that somebody presents a PowerPoint because they want to get to the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. That's where he went next. He didn't go to like a well-run organization that's winning for years. He went to the Atlanta Falcons. And man, I was a that was the Johnny Manziel year. That was the year they forced Johnny Manziel onto the onto the field and that's when Kyle Shanahan was like I'm done. Because he was a big Brian Hoyer guy. And when they push Manziel on him, not be a good big he's like, Hoyer I'm out. Guy. Whoa, whoa, hold on. All right. I will forever die on this hill. Brian Hoyer wasn't that bad for the Cleveland Browns. No, he wasn't. That's what I'm saying. He actually, like, would win games and lead comebacks and, like, played well. A lot of that was Josh Gordon. But he wasn't, like, he wasn't Johnny Manziel bad. Brian Hoyer wasn't that bad is... Yeah, no, probably means, put that on his tombstone. Which means in the last 20-something years, he's probably been the second-best quarterback <laughs> that the Browns have had. <laughs> uh, Brian Hoyer in two years with the Browns, 17 games, 17 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. Wasn't that bad. I'm going to say he was that bad. I'd say he's 51% on the good side. Yeah. <laughs>
that I think you want to be a lot more than 51% For a Browns quarterback? I'll take it. You have no idea how low my standards have been set. Man. I'm out. The 49ers are committed to Trey Lance for 2022. Ian Rappaport said, my understanding is the 49ers are still committed to first-round pick Trey Lance as their starter moving forward, which means they are expected to explore trade options for Jimmy Garoppolo. That's going to be weird. 49ers win a playoff game. 49ers maybe win two playoff games, and then they say, we're going to Trey Lance, baby. And did Trey Lance look good at all? At yeah, all. The one game against the Texans where he played well for two quarters. Two quarters. Against the Texans. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm banking on. Yeah. I think it's an easy decision, though, because Jimmy Garoppolo is not good. I'm not going to say he's not good. He's adequate. Uh, just, again, if you have a good team around him, he can do his game. And look, it's Shanahan. So the run game's always going to be there. The play action's always going to be there. And especially when you got a defense like that, you can lean on that. But Trey Lance, physically speaking, amazing. But he didn't look like he knew what he was doing out there this season. There will always be a goddamn fullback open in the flat for some reason. <laughs> you check. I I honestly believe if they, right after their season ends, say Trey Lance is our starter for 2022, I think he'll be just fine. I hope I, so. I think he'll be at least what Jimmy Garoppolo is. I hope so. I just, I, I really want. To see him do well, I thought in the preseason, like, again, what was it? The first snap, he threw that huge bomb right off the bat, and it was right on the money, and 49ers faithful was all excited, and then he got into a regular season game, and it was like, eh, that's he needs to learn a little. Give him give him an entire offseason. He'll be better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I think so. It's possible. And if you're the 49ers, what's Jimmy Garoppolo making? Is he making 30-something million? I think it's a, I think it's a pretty easy choice just because you can save that money. Well, yeah, I don't know how much contract. Yeah, I don't know how much dead cap they have to take on if they trade Jimmy Garoppolo. I have to look that up, but I think it's an easy decision because you're going to save significant money and like in all seriousness, like worst case scenario for Trey Lance, he's not going to be that much worse than Jimmy Garoppolo. Like it's not you're not it's not the Packers when it was like, "Oh, they might move on from Aaron Rodgers for Jordan Love." Like it's not moving on from one of the four best guys in the league. It's moving on from the 15th or 16th best quarterback in football. And when you're talking about Trey Lance, there's going to be so many. This is, again, when you watch the Shanahan scheme, there's going to be so many wide open bootlegs that that guy could just take off and run. I mean, Trey Lance, if you look at his combine stats, the guy is insanely athletic, insanely fast. And if he sucks, just snap it to Debo Samuel like six times a game and you'll score a few touchdowns. Right. He'll be fine. Go Debo. No problem. All right. Coming up next, what would it take to get Gooch to go to a UNLV basketball game? Maloka grabs the loose ball and lays it back in over his head. Nice job by David. And boy, that hurt the duck. The duck just grimaces and uh, did not like that at all. Gooch, what would it take for you to go to UNLV basketball game? Oh, man. Consistent winning? Oh, you're going for the actual, like, real answer. Yeah. Oh, that's not why you're here. Oh, you, okay. Uh, <laughs> free want, tacos. You, free tacos, yeah. Okay. Uh, what would it take for me to go to a UNLV game? I don't know, man. Like, a hamburger, maybe? They, like, play, so- they play Saturday at home at noon. What would it take for you to show up Saturday at noon at UNLV's game against San Jose State? I don't know. Like, uh, not much. I mean, maybe a, uh, it'd be cool if I got a shirt. Maybe a maybe a pair of shorts a pair of shots yeah a weird you want to be running rebel shorts come on buddy trying to support the team here we're giving shorts away everybody do it it's shorts night down here at thomas and mac it's a weird one to give away mm-hmm. but okay cnw's had attendance issues and as you alluded to they don't win a whole lot so 
people don't show up as much. But I will say their student section, what they're trying to get is for students to actually show up because there's like six at every game. They're going to give them a chance to win a free spring break vacation, uh, a chance to win a new television, a chance to win custom Nike shoes. And at Saturday's game, there's going to be free Taco Bell for students before the game. Wow. So you get free tacos and then you, you know, basically be entered to win those other things. Okay. Sounds, would you do it for that? I mean, uh, yeah, everything except for the fast food. Sure. You know, like, uh, you wouldn't go for the Taco Bell. It's just, you know, I like to, uh, keep my, uh, and I don't like to, uh, you know, explode everywhere. Do you not eat Taco Bell? I try not to. Okay. I try. I try to stay away from from fast food. You try not really. I try to. How I does fail. that work for you? I fail a lot. I mean, oh. it's like my schedule's all over the place, but I try to. And I'm not saying that I haven't eaten Taco Bell in the last two or three days because it's <laughs> something that happens. My schedule's all over the place, but when I do, I'm just kind of like, buddy, get your life together. You Would, could, did you eat fast food yesterday? Uh, no, not yesterday, wow. but two nights ago I did. Impressive. And two nights before that I did. What'd it's, you have two nights ago? Uh, I had McDonald's and then I had Taco Bell. The, the lights. So Taco Bell two nights ago, four nights ago it was McDonald's. Okay. Trying not to. I'm trying to be a better person. I mean, it's hard to do. It is. Our, especially in this town when it's just built on convenience. Yeah. Our society is very much about, Hey, yeah. Yeah. yeah give go in. to McDonald's. Yeah. Give in to your urges. Yeah. Well, I don't mean about give in. It's just easy to. Go to McDonald's for dinner. Mm-hmm. That's what to go I'm to saying. Taco Bell for dinner. It's a country built on convenience. Yeah. That's why we're all fat. Okay. Except everybody in this room. So what you really meant is you would show up and you would be like, I'm not going to eat the Taco Bell. And then you'd be like, well, it's a free burrito and you'd eat it. Yes. Okay. And then I'd be like, hey, you want OV? Thanks, man. <laughs> now, where's my TV? Now, where's my TV <laughs> and my shorts? All right. I'm going to give you some UNLV basketball analysis. For somebody that I know doesn't watch much UNLV basketball. First off, they beat San Jose State last night. They blew them out. 81 to 56. San Jose State's terrible. This year, when UNLV is favored, they're 10 and 0. When they are underdogs, they are 0 and 7. Which doesn't sound like the galaxy brain type thing I'm trying to make it out to be. But normally, college basketball teams do not win every single game they are favored. And they do not normally lose every single game that they are underdogs in. But the phrase we're going with for UNLV basketball this year is they are bum slayers. <laughs> okay. I because like it. they dominate. I mean, and recently they don't just beat them. Like they were like seven or eight point favorites last night against San Jose state. They beat them by almost 30. So like, they're not just beating bad teams. They are destroying every bad team. They play. They are blowing them out. But when they play anybody that's slightly competent, they lose. So they are bum slayers. Yeah. You got to at least win something you're not supposed to win. I mean, you got at to at least point. beat the Sharps at least at some point, right? right. It, and it should happen. They have, I need to go count because the schedule's all over the place, but they have like eight, nine games the rest of the year against like top 100 teams that they'll be underdogs against, right? So they're going to have eight or nine chances. Presumably they're going to win one of those, right? Like math probability says they're going to win at least one of those. They'll probably win two or three of them, honestly. But if they somehow don't the entire year, it'd be one of the most incredible seasons ever. Like if they end the year undefeated as favorites and no wins as underdogs, it'd be one of the most incredible things we've seen. Why would we ever watch sports if we're just going to go by? Right, exactly. It's like, they look like they're going to win. And then they do. Every single time. There hasn't been a single, like, surprising result for UNLV basketball this year. Every single time it's been, oh. Yeah, okay. That's we kinda, pretty much what we expected. There's a, like last night, they weren't supposed to win by 25, but they did. Like it's supposed to be, you know, eight. But so it's a little surprising that they blew them out by that much. But there hasn't been one win-loss result that it's been like, oh, 
that's kind of surprising or not. One other fun analysis for you. So fun. UNLV three-point shooting this year. They're not a very good three-point shooting team overall. In home games this year, UNLV has made 27% of its threes. 27%. That's very bad. The national average is like 32%, right? They're very bad at three-point shooting at home. But they played two games at T-Mobile Arena. They made 38% of their threes. They played two games at Mandalay Bay. They made 43% of their threes. And they've now played three road games. And they've made 40% of their threes in those road games. We're getting kind of a big enough sample size here. I think what we got to do is we have to uh, blow up the Thomas and Mac. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No more home games for UNLV. They're either going to, matter of fact, let them play at a different stadium or every different different arena every game. (laughs) We can go Orleans, South Point, T-Mobile Arena, MGM Grand, Mandalay Bay, Bishop Gorman's gym, whatever. Sam Boyd, no, just I'm bring think, it out. No, worse. I'm thinking Sandy Valley. I'm thinking Pahrump. I'm thinking just stay away from the 702-725 area codes. Just get the hell out of here. They're fine. They're fine in 702 as long as it's not Thomas and Matt. All right. Well, they, T-Mobile Arena and Mandalay Bay, they're at like 40% at those two venues. Stay off Tropicana. No more Tropicana. Just stay off that street. I mean, T-Mobile, you keep trying, you, you keep failing. T-Mobile's on Tropicana. Is it really, is it located, is that where the address is? I would imagine it'd be oh, on Las Vegas Boulevard is, or, or Dean Martin. I'm pretty sure it's closer to Tropicana than Thomas and Mac because Thomas and Mac is set back on campus a little bit. But it's not on Trop, and I think that's what's making this shooting percentage drop. Okay. Tropicana. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. I, I, wanted to, I want us to do a study on basketball courts all across Tropicana, see how badly they shoot the ball at the parks and the regular stadiums or the regular arenas and high schools. If there is any on trop, I think the Orleans is on Tropicana, right? We have to do this. We've, we've ruled the Orleans out too. Mm. If we can't shoot on Tropicana, but it is, it is one of the strangest things because this team sucks at shooting. Like they're not a good shooting team. They didn't have, they didn't have good shooters. Like they didn't recruit a bunch of good shooters, whatever. Like they were always going to be a pretty bad three point shooting team, but it's amazing to me that, they cannot make one at home, but every time they play away from home, they've been good. Again, I, it's probably small sample size because we're talking about what seven games away from Thomas and Mac. But it's they play Thursday on the road again. If they make forty percent of their threes again, I think it's real. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. It's just such a huge disparity between right. playing at home and it's, then not playing at it's home. It's twenty seven percent versus forty percent. Yeah, is what we're talking about. That's like, incredible. Yeah, that's a massive difference. That's like a fit, yeah. It's like oh, double the uh, yeah. double double the percentage i don't know not don't quite know. but not quite almost close in the area in the vicinity you, you, i'm stupid no no <laughs> no it's like a 50 percent increase not 100 percent. okay 50 percent increase thank so, you not but still to doubling it's just what's going on in that state what's going on in that arena though i mean is there a way that you could look at the way the crossbar is set up or the way the rim is set up. Like what's happening. You missed one of our favorite things there. Jared's phone randomly going off mm, real pro. Jared. I hope it made it to one of the microphones. Can we shift from making fun of you and to Jared Brooklyn <laughs> coming up next? <laughs> Charles McDonald joins the show. I love Tom. That's my God. Don't get it twisted. Right. A lot of words were took out of substance. Tom is one of my true friends in the midst of adversity that was there for me. So don't get it twisted about now with Tom Brady, man. He's a GOAT, great player, great teammate. 
And don't let my distractions of what's going on with me take away from me. So you guys are still friends? Of course. Joining us now is Charles McDonald. You can follow him on Twitter at 4Verts and read his work at For the Win. All right, Charles, if you were running the Cowboys, would you fire Jerry Jones for that playoff game? Uh, well, I mean, Jerry I was... said Jerry Jones, but I'm an idiot. Would you fire Mike McCarthy yeah, for that? Yeah, that was embarrassing. Um, and I, I think that, you know, as you kind of watched the game, I thought it was funny because I thought that really neither Shanahan or Mike McCarthy uh, really did a great job in that game. But McCarthy, like, he just had these really weirdly strange, didn't know how to manage the clock. I mean, uh, you know, you get to a point where I think the drive that ended up killing them was that that the ridiculous pump play uh, where they tried where they you know they get the fake punt on fourth down uh, and then they come back on first down and they're still messing around with the punt team and you know you're down 16 points at that point in the fourth quarter you waste some time you you milk a minute off the clock or you know 30 40 seconds close to a minute off the clock. Uh, in that scenario, and then, you know, at the end of that drive, you end up kicking a field goal. So not only did you waste all this time, but you didn't even get the points that you needed out of it. And then, you know, you get down to the end of the game, and uh, they they could have used 30 or 40 more seconds there at the end instead of uh, what they ended up doing. And and I think when you look at that level of game management, uh, this isn't the first time that Mike McCarthy has mismanaged the clock or mismanaged his timeouts or what have you. Uh, you know, you, you can even go back to Green Bay, but he's someone that seems to have been able to hide some of his failure, you know, coaching tendencies behind uh, like extremely talented teams like the one he's on right now. So, you know, I think when you look at any coach, especially one where you're a team where you have not playoff aspirations, but Super Bowl aspirations, uh, you need to look at it as, as if it is every blade of grass being maximized here. Are we doing whatever we can do? to get the ultimate goal, ultimate goal of hosting Lombardi. And I think the answer right now for Mike McCarthy is absolutely the hell no. Have we, has anybody <laughs> figured out what the point of leaving the punt team on the field was? Like, what were they trying to accomplish? They were trying to get the call of timeout, right? But what had happened was, so they, they get the fourth down. <laughs> and I think with the fourth down, it's like, you can debate, like, whether or not that was even the right process for that. Because, you know, if you're going to tell me that I can either have Dak Prescott or my punter throwing a pass, you know, I think I'm going to take the guy I'm paying $40 million. But you got to take the result in hand, get the first down. But the thing is, they celebrated so much. Just another undisciplined part of their day. They, <laughs> they were on the field celebrating. So the referee gave 49ers time to substitute. And if you get a first down and you let the other team substitute, the starting defense is going to come out. Obviously, it's first down, Mike. Uh, but instead, uh, they do the little the silly thing with the punt team, and that's how you know that they're never actually going to do anything there. So if the long snapper – like, if you go back and watch the play, after they get the first down and the 49ers starting defense comes out, the long snapper who's playing center never puts his hand on the ball. Because if he puts his hand on the ball, then he can't be subbed out of the game, which means that he's going to be playing center and have to be passive blocking like, oh, I don't know, Fred Warner, an all-pro <laughs> linebacker, or Javon Kinlaw, first-round defensive tackle, or you know, one of these guys that's on a really good San Francisco defense. So he doesn't even mess around touching the ball. 
And so they mess around, take the clock down to 14 seconds, and then they the jigs up because why would San Francisco call a timeout here? <laughs> You're the one that's down two scores. You're the one that's wasting all this time on the clock. Every second that takes off the clock for San Francisco is good, so I don't know why you expect them to call a timeout there. And if you want to call a play with your punt team against my first team defense, go ahead. Like, like that, you can do that every single time. If, you, if someone does that to you in Madden, you're not going to call a timeout and spare them from their own spit. You're going to let them die and choke on it. So once the punt team runs off the field and the offense comes out, that triggers another substitution situation for the referees. So once Dak Prescott comes out to the field, the clock's ticking down, you're, you have no time in the play clock, Dak still doesn't really have to play because as Dak's on the field, he's barking to the sideline, he's barking orders, and then once they get lined up, because he's subbed again, the referee has to stand over the ball, make sure everybody's set, and then you get the, the referee to move with like two seconds left in the play clock and you get a delay of game. And to me, all of that right there, the fireball offense. Like, that's something you, you try and mess around like in a preseason game, like to see what this will look like you know, if we we're going to try to get a fourth down, what would happen after that? You don't do this with your season on the line when you spent a ton of money to have one of the best rosters in the league. Like, that was so bad. Uh, you know, they didn't maximize what they had on offense just in general throughout the game. Uh, it, it was really, really embarrassing for Mike McCarthy. If you were Mark Davis, how seriously would you consider hiring Rich Passaccia? Um. I mean, I think he, he he deserves to be taken seriously as a candidate for sure, uh, just because of, of what they did this year. And I think that, you know, you, you still kind of got some good play out of Derek Carr down the stretch outside of that, um, you know, some good play down the stretch out of Derek Carr, uh, you know, outside of some moments in that playoff game. But uh, I don't think that they should settle on him. Uh, I think he still needs to go out and interview candidates because, well, I do think that Rick Passaccia should get a chance to get to the job. And if he's hired full-time, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because clearly the players respond to him and clearly, you know, he's a guy that to guide you through through games and, and win and even show some savvy stuff at the end of that game uh, against the Chargers where you just win it instead of, you know, playing for a tie. But there's never, uh, there's never any harm in, like, getting more information on, on who's out there. And I talking to other people just so you have like the clearest vision so you can make a decision on uh, who the Raiders should hire as head coach. So, you know, Rich Passaccia, like I said, you should definitely get a chance to get a job and like actually seriously be considered as a candidate. I don't think it's insignificant that, you know, Derek Carr and other players have come out and said that you should be the head coach. I think that that should definitely matter some, but you still need to talk to everyone that's out there. Do you believe Mark Davis is the owner that is simply going to try to hire the biggest name he can? Um, Kind of, but I don't know if that's necessarily a bad idea in this situation. Like, if you're talking about someone like Jim Harbaugh, because, um, one, like, we have verified proof on multiple levels at multiple different stops that Jim Harbaugh is an objectively good football coach, whether San Diego way back in the day, Stanford, obviously, when you the 49ers, and now, you know, getting Michigan back to being a relevant program. Like, we, you know, whether it's NFL, college, all different sorts of level college football, we know that that's a good hire. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, in a way, Mark takes, him, takes a, after his father in a little bit where, you know, you want the flashy thing, and, hey, it's kind of cool. Like, if you're someone who owns a football team, you can keep it flashy and fun. I don't think that that's necessarily a bad idea. But, uh, 
you know, I, I think that in this case, if you're going to talk about the flashiest name out there to me, which is Jim Harbaugh, I think that that's honestly a pretty good way to go. And I think that Harbaugh is kind of a good coach for where the Raiders are right now. Do you have any uh, opinions on all the coordinators that are getting interviewed? Like, do you think any of them are significantly better than the others? Um, you know, I, I, I really do like Byron Leftwich, but uh, I think that what he's done in um, Tampa Bay is like super impressive. The thing, what you have to remember is that offense when Tom and Bruce got together, that offense was not clicking uh, to start the 2020 season, Tom's first year in Tampa Bay. And basically, they've credited Byron with being able to kind of put the difference on, you know, because Bruce wants to be someone who throws the ball down the field and we're averaging, you know, 10 air yards per attempt. And we all know Tom, like, especially here, uh, you know, dealing with guys in the slot and kind of owning the intermediate portion of the field. There's two different philosophies. And Byron's when he had to figure that out. And then they kind of got back on track and won a Super Bowl. So, uh, obviously, the talent helps a lot there. I mean, you know, we want the best <laughs> offensive lines in the league and the greatest quarterback of all time and a bunch of receivers, but uh, they didn't hit the ground running. And Byron Leftwich did a great job uh, kind of piecing that together. Uh, the enemy is still interesting, but I think maybe the most interesting name that's gotten hype is uh, Drago, just because uh, I don't really know like how much to credit him on. Uh, what happened to Patriots? I know that he's a COVID defensive play caller with Steve Belichick for parts of the time, but uh, they're pretty secretive about like what his actual like full role was there. So, you know, I think it's cool that he's getting interviewed just because uh, uh, he's like a player that we know. He's a player that we know was good in the NFL and a top former top ten pick, but uh, you know, he still seems like kind of an unknown a little bit. Well, he is Charles McDonald again. Follow him on Twitter at Four Verts. Read his work at For the Win. Charles, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks. So there is Charles McDonald uh, from For the Win. Uh, do you have any hot takes on the coordinators? Because I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know. I don't know anything about the coordinators to actually. I don't. Yeah. You don't know what a coordinator is going to do yeah. until he gets his team. That's like, the thing. It's like any, if you have noticed any time a coordinator that is blessed with having an amazing quarterback, every time they go to another team and they don't have that quarterback, it's failure city. I've almost I've seen it so Failure many times. Failure city. Failure city. Like you saw it happen with Josh McDaniel. Uh, everybody's talking about Eric Bieniemy. Oh right, yeah, because Pat Mahomes had nothing to do with that. Same thing with Mike McCarthy. It's like you really think Mike McCarthy's game planning is what won him all those games in Green Bay? Yeah, absolutely. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is a bum. That guy's a bum. He's not any good at the sport. I mean, Kyle Shanahan literally traded for Jimmy Garoppolo, and Sean McVay had to. Like, literally tell Jared Goff, like, hey, hey, buddy, okay, so you see that guy in the middle? That's the middle linebacker. Don't throw <laughs> to him. So, there we have also examples where coordinators are just sort of like, look, look I'm not saying that there aren't amazing uh, coordinators out there, but again, these are guys that have proven themselves as great head coaches as well. Yeah, Gerard Mayo is the interesting one because he's like the linebacker's coach with the Patriots, which normally is not, and you're, honestly, you're not hiring linebacker's coach, but as Charles said, he maybe sometimes calls defensive plays. So uh, the only the only coordinator out of all of the coordinators that I have seen that gets me a little excited is Brian Dabble from Buffalo. Um, because Josh Allen sucks and that yeah. offense is amazing. <laughs> Dude, Josh Allen was not good those first two years and he got him to the playoffs uh, the second year, I believe. 
And again, you just saw this steady progression. Now, this year compared to last year, there was a bit of a drop off, but he still has that magic. I mean, Josh Allen is still very good. And it's like, but when you watch the way Brian and that offense catered to him and his strengths and to still see him have success and put together a winning team and then stomp out the big bully like they did in the, the playoffs. Big bully. You got you to gotta give Brian Dabble credit. I'm sorry. You know what's going to be funny for the Bills? Huh? They crush the Patriots. Absolutely humiliate them, right? They make a run through the AFC. They're in the Super Bowl. Tom Brady beats them 45 to 10 in the Super Bowl. That would be funny. Like, if you're the Bills, you're just like, Jesus, this guy? They can't get away from him. It would be so funny. Debo snatching chains again. Who the hell is Debo? We just talked about it. The bully from Friday, and that is Tom Brady. And Ice Cube is the Buffalo Bills before Mm. before the end of the movie. (laughs) Ice Cube for three quarters of the movie until he beats Debo with a brick in the face. Go to break when you guys are done with your movie analogies. (laughs) He's got... Dancing feet with that lower body. It's unbelievable. Look at the body. Look at that bubble butt. He's checking all the boxes, Michael. Yeah, he, he really is. Look at that big bubble butt. That's a, it's a power generator, those that thighs, quads, and the bubble butt. Offensive linemen love that. Feet. Huh. We are back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Bubble butt. Bubble, bubble, bubble butt. Mike Mayock will be missed. For how long? Well, if we can get him on TV, I won't miss him at all. I'll actually be kind of happy because we'll get more bubble butt content. Please. He wasn't, listen, he wasn't walking into press conferences after the draft saying we took this guy because he's got a nice bubble butt. It would make more sense if he did. Well, no, because they didn't draft the guys with the bubble butts. We've been over this. The reason that the draft picks didn't work out is they didn't get enough bubble butts. Hit that squat, yeah, guys. That's it. Let's squat that out. Get the bubble butt going, and you'll be a great NFL player. Let's get a thigh master. Let's work it all out. The power generator. Mm. All right. I feel like I have a topic that you are someone that would be good to talk to about. Tell me. You've seen the video of my car rolling into my house? Yes, I did. Yeah, okay. Yeah. What would you think about that? Okay. For someone that I, uh, and I hate giving you a compliment, but you're a smart guy. <laughs> Is he not? Like when it comes to like facts about sports and knowledge about sports. Yes, he's he's smart in a very, very specific way. So he's able to retain information. And um, the fact that you couldn't retain the information to put your car in park <laughs> is remarkable to me. Or that maybe you're not stronger than a rolling car. Right, yes. Yeah. I do. Re- I, you know what? Yeah, I like how you were like, I got this. Let me pull this ton by myself. And what happened to your house? Did it break your house? Or- there, There is a hole in our wall, and okay. it, it pushed the wall like in, the studs in the wall in. Oh. Um, but the, the contractor that came to look at it basically said this is pretty minor, which is nice because it could have been a lot worse. Um, water heaters a couple feet to the left, that could have been bad. Could have hit the actual door into my house right uh, that didn't really do anything uh the wall it actually hit is our we have a toilet on that wall uh that could have been bad but toilets intact toilets fine so could have been a lot worse but yeah there's a hole in my in my wall i love it what'd the lady say well she was she witnessed the whole thing did she laugh she was in the garage oh. when it happened okay did she did she laugh when it happened or was she mad uh neither she laughed afterwards like a few hours later right there was laughing about the after 
after she went and found the video on our camera system, there was laughing. Okay, okay, yes. Yes, immediately. Because that takes her out of the situation where right. my house is broken. Now I'm watching right. this as an entertainer. Immediately, like, I was I was pretty furious with myself. So she did more trying to calm me down than anything else. Oh, after that's it nice. Happened. Yes. She give you a milkshake. Wish that would have been great. I love milk. Is that, is that something like? Is that something people do? I mean, you know, I wish that'd be great. I think if you I have a friend shakes. that's that's down on his luck, let's just say he crashes car into his house, give the guy a milkshake. <laughs> the last time I think somebody gave me a milkshake probably was when I got my wisdom teeth removed, and my older sister drove to Sonic to get me milkshakes. That's a good sister. It was because I couldn't because I couldn't eat anything. And that's besides. pretty much all Sonic is good for is their desserts. I love their desserts. I, I, I don't know I'll if they're a, a sponsor, dog. so let's uh, let's ease off the oh, I uh, love Sonic. the Sonic swiping. I love Sonic. Oh no, no, I'm not saying it's like that's, but like their desserts are incredible. I like their hot dogs and their desserts. Corn dogs are better than hot dogs. Okay, you're right. They are. But there is now a hole in my house. Yes, and I did. I did have the There's moment. Now a hole in my. I house. did have the moment where I thought I'm strong enough to stop this car. It's not moving that fast. Hmm. Um, I like that belief you have in yourself. And, but here's the problem. I was about two feet away from getting my foot on the brake pedal when it hit my house. Mm. Had I not wasted the time trying to pull the car backwards, I'd probably get to the brake in time to but stop it. My favorite part, though, there was like maybe two seconds where you were you looking at the car and your brain wasn't it, registering it, oh, what was, was going face? on. Yeah. It did not process. There yeah. was a cartoon-esque face yeah. of him going, oh, God. Yes. It's like I could almost see like the eyebrow rising. Hmm. Yes. This is it, it did not process why the hell quandary. my car was moving. Yeah. I did not. Because it, it shouldn't have been. Why would, why would my car be moving? This is Boulder Dash. I'm not in the car. Who's making the car move? It was ridiculous. <laughs> also, the fact that the car sat there for 16 seconds. Before it started moving forward is a bunch of bull bleep.